I'm Franny Matthews, President and CEO of Colorado Technology Association, and you're listening to Colorado Voices on Tech, a podcast dedicated to getting to know the leaders and innovators driving advancement in our community through technology. Welcome, Severn. I am really excited to talk to you today. It's always a good conversation when I get to talk to you. So excited to chat with you today, Franny. Well, let's start out with a clarifying question. What is DISH Grand Central? So DISH Grand Central is one of the locations for DISH, and it's the one that I'm responsible for. Um, It is downtown, so it's right next to to Union Station. And it it really was started um, as an innovation building for our IT uh, department to partner with the business and work closely together and innovate on um, exciting new technologies, new digital aspects. And so it's an open space. It's a great space. And and we love to hire for people down here in downtown. Well, I, I have been in the building, so it is an amazing space and very comfortable. And as you said, it's in it, it uh, spurs you to be creative. Yes, and be part of the community. We really want to, we really push the community of the folks who who work here. I love it. Um, You know, whenever I have an opportunity to speak with leaders in the tech industry, I always love to find out what inspired you. Uh, And, you know, you you graduated with a chemical degree in chemical engineering, so you had a proclivity to STEM. How did you wind up in this industry and for so long? You know, so I what I realized once I graduated with a degree in chemical engineering was that um, I didn't want to work in the middle of uh, a big state with steel toe boots. Um, and so that wasn't maybe the right profession for me. Um, but I had done a little bit of software development as part of my curriculum um, and ended up talking to a friend who worked for Accenture and was in the consulting space. Um, And so that was really kind of an exciting thought for me to go and work for a consulting team where they where you came in and they really helped you for those first four weeks come up to speed and development. And I love problem solving. So it was just it was a good fit. And it gave the opportunity as a young person right out of college to see so many different companies, industries um, and and really have a lot of people to mentor you and bring you up to speed quickly um, outside of college. So it was a, it was a great fit for me, and it was really exciting. Well, that I I hear that a lot. The other thing I hear is somebody that's got a technical degree that may be not right front and center of what they wind up doing. They pull from it. Uh, did Absolutely. you did you find found that you, not only did you pull from your your software development, but also from the chemical engineering degree just in general. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that chemical engineering teaches you is problem solving. Um, You're going to have a really tough course load. So you're going to be used to having to work hard and figure out how to get it all done. Um, So really it's that that problem solving um, and and doing hard work um, that really was the basis that you can apply anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's just a good life lesson. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, um, one of the things you talk about working hard. Right. And uh, this industry just in general is moving so quickly. 
How do you maintain your competitive edge in the marketplace? Um, great question. Um, it's really always trying to learn from our partners, too. Um, making sure we're, you know, as, as we go into a new space, um, one example even is that we're looking at from like a customer data platform at Dish and trying to figure out the best way to do it and how do we do that. So much of it is reaching out to partners who have that understanding and have more in depth and making sure we're talking to them, learning what's what's upcoming in the industry, speaking to other customers who have already done that. Like that is a huge thing. I think the more you can have reach out to your other network of, of people who are maybe more advanced in other areas and learn from them is a huge opportunity. Yeah, I, I find the same thing. It's, uh, you know, it, that's what I love about this job is I get the opportunity Absolutely. to find out what other people are doing. Yeah. Well, and you guys facilitate a lot of that as well, too, I think, which I also, it, it's important, I think, in the in the Denver community for us, the other groups within this community to learn from and, and to build our strength. I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, um, talking about the telecommunications industry, you and I have some similarities because I spent a lot of time working with telecom uh, for a number of decades prior to joining CTA. And I was in telecom during the mid-90s. I'm, I'm, I'm giving my age away. Uh, but I find that context really interesting because it was after the modified final judgment that, uh, you know, broke up AT&T. And then during the mid nineties, we had the telecommunications act of 96 that wound up making the telecom industry explode. So you lived through that on the IT side. What was that like for you? Uh, and and how, how valuable is that long-term view? You know, what I'll say is like, Telecom is like it's like nothing else. Like, and, and if you can understand it, I think it helps you across the board. Um, but even like coming into level three, um, and and what we were doing at that point was really trying to disrupt and you know and build a fiber network. Um, but then there are so many telecom companies within Denver too um, that it, it it's just one of the things with level three too that I think was good was was all the acquisitions that happened. And so, you know, there was no college class on how do you integrate new companies um, and how does this work, especially in the telecom space. Um, and so there was so much learning there on what's the best way to integrate companies from an IT perspective. How do you integrate the applications? How do you integrate the network? Um, and it's so complex from a telecommunications perspective. So, you know, I spent over like so many years at level three learning how to do that and figuring out the best way to do it. I, I think it's still a challenge across the board from a telecommunications perspective as, as new companies come and, and come together. We're still doing that now with Dish, right? Where we just took the Boost um, brand from T-Mobile and, you know, are now running that. So it's just, there's so much to learn in the telecommunications space, um, but it is has created so many opportunities for so many um, which brings better service to customers ultimately, ultimately, which is what is most important. Yeah, yeah. Well, that integration work is, I mean, it's it, it, it's missing from somebody's, you know, toolkit if they don't understand how that works. Because, I, you know, ever, you know, if you've got any size at all, or you may be acquired 
You've right. got to understand how that works. And it's, it, you're right, is very complex. Um, you mentioned the strength of the telecommunications industry in Colorado. And, you know, a lot of that started because of the cable industry uh, with TCI and a lot of the, you know, Jones Intercable. Uh, we were kind of the, the global uh you know, uh, headquarters. And then, of course, because of acquisitions, we, you know, it, it, those co- many of those companies wound up in other companies. Um, but I kind of wonder if um, we have a little bit of geography of genius in, uh, in the telecommunication or in Denver because of the telecommunications industry and it just keeps living. It absolutely does. I mean, I still keep in contact with so many people that I've worked with in the past, and and we're all kind of still in the same industry, just in in different companies. Um, but the connection that we've all built together, having having worked together in the past, I, I think is a is a huge thing, and it's a huge benefit to Denver. It is a huge benefit to Denver because the, you know when you have two degrees of separation as opposed to four degrees of separation, it really greases the skids it does. for getting things done efficiently and quickly and, and well done. Yeah. Um, and it's a great for a network, right? Like I know that if I need to talk to someone at some other company, I probably have someone in Denver who can connect the dots there pretty, right. pretty quick, pretty fast. Yeah. Right. Right. And the, and the list I, I, I had this conversation this week is, how many people you know do you know that will call you back within 24 hours? Right. And right. and Denver has has a has an ecosystem that you have a long list of people that will call you back in 24 hours. You do. So, um, you know, when you look at all the change that we've seen over the last couple of decades in telecommunications and you know, Dish is working very hard in the 5G space and we put the backdrop of web 3.0 with all of that, all that goes with that as far as, you know, emerging technologies. What do you see as the, the big trends for telecom? Uh, Cause it's front and center at all of that. It is. Yeah. And I don't know that I have a great answer, but like with the 5g network and how we're building it out in the cloud um, it's pretty exciting because I think we're provision, prov- positioning ourselves to be at the forefront of whatever becomes next, um, right? So the ability to, to jump on it and to explore and, you know, have an MO business to be able to support other carriers as well as ourselves, the economies of scale, and just, you know, again, back to the telecommunications and the, the more of the legacy infrastructure that's out there, it just takes a lot longer to, to innovate. And so I think Dish with our new 5G network, it's going to put us on the forefront of being able to innovate faster, whatever that next is. Um, and so that's what I think is really exciting. Yeah. And when I look at what we're seeing in AI and, you know, we, we've been working in an environment for a long time where we've seen AI for a long time. So it's not like, you know, it was a shock to see Jet, Jet GPT come on to the you know, into the world scene. Um, however, that has spawned more interest, more innovation. And uh, what I see, it's almost to me, it's the, it's the, it's the competitiveness of the United States to ensure that we have 
a very strong telecommunications network that can support these new technologies. And I love to your point, because we don't know what they're going to be. We don't know what they're going to be. And, and even I'll say, like, even right now as a challenge, what we're trying to figure out is with Gen AI and ChatGPT and everything that's coming out there. Um, how do you use that within a business to still innovate, but also protect yourself? Yeah. Right. And so the governance around it, how do we use it in a safe way? Um, but it is amazing technology and amazing new thing that we need to figure out how to leverage um, in the best way possible for our business. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I liken the adoption to kind of what we saw with cloud. I mean, I, I'm sure you remember when we were all going, wait a minute, did we put that on their credit card? Hmm. Right. Shadow IT, big, big concern about um, security. And then it seemed like it was within a quarter that all of a sudden it went from shadow IT to a strategic imperative. Very quickly, very quickly. And became it because it was actually more secure than other, you the, know, other yeah, than on-prem. Or, yeah. 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 And I will say what I like about Dish too is that, you know, when when I came here, and I've only been here three and a half years, but they were very much focused on cloud-based infrastructure and had moved so much to the cloud already. Um, you know, I support sling.com, it's been in the cloud the whole time. So I like that, you know, pushing the envelope, really trying to get there. Um before others. And so I think that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, you can't have a, tel- a conversation about IT without having a conversation about talent. So what have you seen from, you know, we've got a talent shortage. Um, what have you seen in the area of talent? And what are some of the things that you are looking at to get creative on how you maximize your potential in your workforce? Yeah, it has been a challenge. Um, I think with the environment right now, it's getting a little bit easier. Um, I think during the pandemic, you know, there was a pretty much an uptake and people were getting pretty significant offers to work remote everywhere. Um, And now with the economy dying down a little bit, I think it's getting a little bit easier to find talent, um, which is good. But one of my big things that I want to do is we also have so many great universities in the in the Denver area. And so really making sure that we're building up the relationships with those universities to get talent right out of college. Um, because also a lot of the skills that we're looking for, we do a lot with Adobe uh, and Adobe skills are also kind of hard to, to find in the marketplace and they're grabbed up pretty quickly. So how do we bring in, you know, new talent, help train them up on those skills so that so that we have them in house? Um, but that's are you, yeah. Are you also looking? One of the things that I also see a lot of is that um, organizations are wanting those skills that are like, uh, you know, the unicorn five years in right. analytics with a master's degree. Um, are you looking at those entry level and different on ramps for, in that instance, maybe data cleansing or data visualization? other than four-year degree programs? Absolutely. Yes. And partnering with different folks to help us find that talent and and bring them in as well, because you also want to make sure that folks are going to be set up for success and have at least some of the skills that can that can help them get here uh, or be successful. Um, But but absolutely. Um, 
And one of the things I like about DISH too is it pride ourselves on opportunity. Um, so it is a very natural thing for people to come in in one position and then after a few years, just move to different positions. I'll say one example, like Mark Paraladino, who's the director of MySling.com, started outside of college, outside of IT. And now he's a director in IT. So, you know, I also like that when companies really promote changing your job within the company to stay, to learn more, to bring a different perspective to a different um, part of the organization uh, and really encourage that. Um, and so I think that's a great way to also build skills um, within a company in a different way. Well, and you, it, uh, it brings me kind of full circle to how we started this conversation with what did you learn from being a chemical engineer, engineering student, right? Uh, which is hard work, right. time management, project management, all of those things. And those are transferable, uh, durable skills that can Across really anything. be used. Yeah. And and it's worth, if you've got the fundamentals of digital capabilities, it, it's fun to give an opportunity to, to get that additional training uh, and transfer into tech. Because pretty soon, I think, you know, I, I, I'll be out of, out of business because everybody will be tech, so we won't need it. Well, it is, it's true. Like every company... Um, is a technology company. Yeah. Like you, you have to understand technology. Um, so I also think like for kids who are starting college or new in your career, it, it is so important to be able to understand the technology aspect of it, even if you're going to be on the business side. It, it just, you can't not have that understanding, I think, anymore. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask the, you know, this is uh, kind of the advice question for, um, uh, for uh, you know, graduates from whatever the pro- yeah. program or a four-year degree, if you look at a resume, what are the things that make it pop out to you other than the technical skills that are listed? You know, that's a good question. Um, I want to. I, I I still go back to like even just the communication or or how is it written. Like it, that's important. I want I want to see a resume that's written in a way that captures my eye and isn't just technical, um, because that I think is a mistake of folks who are very technical and just like bullet 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 bullet. No, tell tell a full pictured story with with your resume. Um, things that show problem solving, things that show leadership. Um, I, I think are great ways to add that little extra oomph to your resume. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't, I, you know, every once in a while I'll look at a resume, it's like, oh, vanilla, how do yeah. I know that you're special? How are you going to get yourself yeah. to the top? I don't need three pages of bullets. I, <laughs> I like to see that they've also done continuing education, like yes. maybe done something on a MOOC or whatever that shows that they've got passion for the area. It shows curiosity, right? Like that, that is a big thing too. Like you, or you took initiative on your own to do something and learn it. It's yeah. You know what? We I got into this big discussion yesterday. I was at a at a uh, future of workforce um, event and big discussion on what is the definition of critical thinking. So I'm going to ask you, what's the, your definition of critical thinking? There's no wrong answer here. Yeah. Um, to me, 
It is really listening to the problem statement um, so that you understand like all the parameters and, and not being fra- afraid to ask questions, to get further clarification, and to really try to think about it differently and not limit yourself to some way you've done it in the past. Um, but also just keep asking the questions and thinking through logically, like what would, if I did this, what would happen? Um, I mean, I was on a call this morning, we were talking about an, an architecture and, and a lot of folks on the call were being like, well, this is the way we do it. I'm like, I, I get it, but I want folks to think to think differently about this problem. It's not just because we've done it this way. Open your mind, think differently and don't be afraid to, we may not go a different route, but I want you to think about it. Well, it reminds me of the old uh, the old story about the woman who always asked the butcher to cut off the end of her roast. What's that? I haven't butcher, heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. Butcher says, why do you do that? Well, I don't know. My mom did. Ask the mom. I don't know. My mom did. Ask the grandmother. Grandmother says my pot was too small. Oh, that's funny, right? Yeah, you never know. Like you don't need to do and don't be afraid to ask the questions, right? I do feel like a lot of times people are afraid to ask the questions for fear of, you know, looking stupid or not knowing. But I, you know, I guarantee folks in meetings, if if you if you have the question, for sure at least one other person has that question. Right. I I, I agree. So you went through like logically knowing and defining the problem. Yep. Curiosity was important, and then finding your beginner's mind. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. That's awesome. Um, You know, I am also, um, I'm fascinated by leadership styles because we are all moving in a very fast paced world. And I feel like uh, we're in our prefrontal cortex, a boatload more than we were two decades ago. Right. Yes. And I mean, an eight hour day, your, your brain on the front of it hurts a lot. Yes. It's being used the whole day. It's being used. Um, And so when you look at what it feels like managing and leading today and, 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 you know, how you have evolved as a leader, what, what, how would you characterize your leadership style and how would you say it's changed over the years? That is a, that is a good question. I will say that one thing I learned early on in leadership that someone helped me learn um, was, you know, being to be successful in your role, you need to not only make, you know, your boss successful or your team successful, but also your peers. So it's important to build the relationships and really be thinking about everyone else in your circle. Um, And the peer one was important too, right? Because you need to, it's not, if you make your team successful and the team next to you isn't successful, it's not, it's not good for the company. Um, So it's really building those relationships um, within your team, with your boss and and with your peers that I think is, is really important. Um, But now also it's, and it's building a team that is smarter than me. Um, I want a team building a smart team, building a team that can do stuff on their own. Um, because to your point now, there's so many new technologies and so many things to figure out. There's no way that you can be the expert in, in all of it anymore. So it's just being able to use some of the experiences that you've had throughout your career to have people think about things differently. 
um, and help guide that and help help remove roadblocks. Um, but otherwise, really just being there to enable the teams deliver at pace and make sure that they have what they need to be successful. I would think that goes into a lot of, you know, asking the right questions, making sure that the team was comprehensive and how they approached it. I loved your comment about collaboration across, you know, horizontally in the organization. Um, and how do you, in that environment where you've got to release, cause you don't, you don't have the time to know the depth of all of this. Right. How do you assess risk in that? How do you, what kind of questions do you ask to make sure that you're not walking off a cliff? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I might switch it a little bit because recently we had a lot of outages with, with our sling application. So it was a different, it's like, okay, we have this issue. How do we work together to solve it? And how, how do we figure that out? Um, and make sure, and that's what we came we do like, okay, let's talk about what's getting released, how we tested it, what's happening next. Have we thought about all the different parameters and really made sure that we've done all of that. Um, but a lot of it is making sure we have put in the process steps um, to mitigate risk, automated testing, performance testing, automation of the code from, you know, through all the different environments to production. Do we have the right monitoring in place? Do people know what to do when the monitors go off? So it's really as much as we can putting in those, those guardrails um, to decrease the risk. Right, right. We call it belts and suspenders. I, I like that. Yes. And sometimes you don't need belts and suspenders. If something if goes wrong, thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if it's, if it's an inconvenience that you're trying to mitigate that isn't going to cost a lot of money or have deep impact. Go can, for it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But if it's going to have the potential to have an outage or to have any customer impact, that's when we got to look at it differently. Yeah. And have some pretty significant belts and suspenders. <laughs> well, you know, I would ask you, I'm, I'm, okay, I'll go ahead and ask yeah. you. Um, what are some of the big things you wish you'd known like 20 years ago? It's like, oh, you know, this would have been helpful to know. Here's what I will say. As, and it's one thing I, I did learn along the way, um, because in IT and in telecommunications, like work never stops. Um, and I think someone told me a while back, like, it's OK. Like, you've got to figure out a way to, to leave your work so that you can enjoy your downtime, which is just as important. You don't have to work every weekend. You can't work every weekend. It it, it will not work for you in life. Um, so keeping that in mind, um, I didn't necessarily start my career in that perspective, but you get to a point and you're like, this isn't sustainable. And it was a good lesson learned. Like, and it's okay. Everyone needs to do that. Um, so that was that was something. Yeah, I uh, it, that was a long time for me. It's uh, a diseconomy of scale. If yeah. you're working all the time, you're not creative because you're just you, you, if you, you don't know. have the brain power left. Mm -mm. It's like not getting sleep. Yeah. All right. So we love at the end of um, the podcast to ask rapid fire questions, which I did not tell you what they are. So you got to right. think off the top of your head. Um, if you were to choose anyone to have dinner with Severin, and they can be a historical figure, somebody that's not with us anymore, or somebody in present day, who would it be? So many, you know what, who just popped into my head? Um, Taylor Swift. 
so I went to her concert this past weekend, but I am so I'm fascinated by her as a businesswoman and and kind of what she's been able to do with her brand. And hey, she's going to make a billion dollars with this concert tour. Um, so I think she would just she would be interesting for me, I think, to talk to and see just dig in there a little bit more. Well, and she's maintained a, she's a nice human being. She's a nice human being. And, you know, she was a concert. It was a concert of everyone being nice, um, which I don't think you you don't see that. Um, So that I think would be very interesting to to talk to her about that. That's a good one. Uh, What's the best book you've read this year? So here's the thing. I haven't read many books because I just don't have time. Um, well, that's not a lot. That's not. You true. can do audio. This is. I can. Audio. Well, I don't even do audio. But here's what I'll do. I'll pick a TV show that was my favorite this year, which was Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. Um, Again, nice. Because it's the nice, and it's the how do you be nice to people, but how do you bring a team together? How do you, um, how do you bring a group together and and win? Right. So it was just such a. I like I like the nice. Yeah, I do too. And uh, you know, I uh, I have charged the hill for leaders that are nice, have integrity. Yes. Um, okay, so um, I'll ask the last question, which is, what's your favorite podcast? This one. Good answer. <laughs> Severin, it was a pleasure <laughs> to spend time with you as usual. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you at our next Women in Technology event. And um, thank you for joining me. Thank you. My pleasure. And that's our episode. Thank you for listening to Colorado Voices on Tech.